Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was now finest. This episode is sponsored by Three Wishes Cereal. This is a real ad. Listen. Wow. Listen to us. I don't like that at all. <laughs> so guys, I gotta tell you, I hate cereal. Like, I really just fucking can't stand cereal. So when Sean said that there's a cereal company that wants to sponsor us, you know, I told him I fucking hate cereal, man. You choose the flavor. Yeah. So we got this cereal and it's pretty fucking good. Nathan is right. Both Nathan and Stacy were like, eh, we're not that into cereal. So they let me pick. The company name is Three Wishes. And so I picked the cocoa, cocoa flavor. But it's not the only flavor they have, right? Right. They actually have an unsweetened cereal for people who want to like really rough it. And then they have a cinnamon and a honey flavor. And I mean, honestly, they all sounded pretty good to me, but I think cocoa, it was a good choice. I liked it. Again, guys, like we had a bowl of this cereal and really like, I had this epiphany. Cause I'm like one of those like terrible retrograde reprobate kind of guys who's like, eh, the cereal's made of all sorts of cool plant stuff, right? Like, like what's it made out of? It's like made out of chickpea and, and what else is in there? Yeah, chickpea, pea protein, tapioca, lots of pea sounds in there. All that shit sounds like terrible to me. Sure. In fact, dude, it was like crunchier than yeah. most cereal I'm used to. Yes. It had like good bite to it. Yes. It felt like I was eating something and not just like goop that some co- corporation told me is supposed to be tasty for breakfast. No, I mean, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because seriously, the crunchiness of it and it like it held up for a little while in the milk and everything like that. It had pretty good chocolate flavor. It wasn't super sweet. I mean, I guess cereals from like when we were kids, super fucking sweet. This one's not that sweet. Yeah. It has good flavor too, you right. know, because like the other type of cereal that's like, oh, grandma's sugar mush, you know, for, <laughs> for your dead mouth, right? Like, sure. like there's like really boring cereals. And like, this is tasty, but it wasn't too sweet. It had a lot of crunch to it. It felt like I was eating something a little more substantial to the point of which I was like, whatever fucking nerd ass scientists they have making this shit, <laughs> all cereal companies should hire this guy. And, and like, whatever they make cereal out of, fuck those people. They should make cereal out of this crazy ass tapioca shit that they're making this crazy shit cereal out of. It was pretty good. Yeah, so two things that didn't really matter to us, but we should probably say is mm. that this cereal has a lot of protein in it. Right. In each serving, it's got eight grams of protein. You guys know I don't need more protein, but it, maybe you do. It's also gluten-free, which is nice for some people. Yeah. That also does not hey. matter to us. Yeah, and it's vegan, which yeah. also I think matters. I'm one of those like terribly amoral people who like kind of think we should slowly get more and more vegetarian with our broader diet. Yeah, I'm, I'm me included. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, someday lab-based meat will be good. And so like whenever there's something that actually happens to be vegan, and is tasty. That's like, it's cool, right? Like, I'm yeah. glad. That's why I'm an alcoholic. No yeah. cows are harmed when I drink vodka. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that this doesn't have. So if people are on the lookout, they're trying to avoid wheat, dairy, soy, oats, corn, rice, peanuts. None of that shit is in here. Pretty impressive. So you can avoid all of that. And listeners, you can get a discount, right? So if you go to threewisheserial.com, Three Wishes Cereal. It's all spelled out, so no numbers in there. Three Wishes Cereal. If you use the code PODCAST10, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0, 
then you can get 10% off. I don't eat cereal, but I thought it was pretty freaking good. Okay, so get yourself some Three Wishes freaking cereal. And as an added bonus, you look on the back, you see the faces of the family or whatever who owns the company. One of them is just straight up George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is just fucking George Lucas. Nailed it. <laughs> Add done. <laughs> George Lucas and his secret Canadian family <laughs> made this cereal. <laughs> so that's right. Go to www.3wishescereal.com. Promo code podcast10 to buy George Lucas' cereal. <laughs> Fuck. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Do we got lines, baby? Oh, yeah, we do. We're good to go. Whoa, Yarshi blows. Dabba, dabba, doo, baba, boo, boo, guys. <laughs> Welcome to Petri Dish. <laughs> oh. Hey, guys, this is Nathan at Petri Dish. And I'm Sean. Okay, today we're going to talk about geothermal energy. Now, maybe you're wondering, wait a minute, you guys talk about biology usually. And I would say, shut the fuck up. We talked about my machine interface. Why does no one listen to that episode? Uh, geothermal energy, there's a lot of advances in it right now. It's not as discussed as solar or wind for totally understandable reasons. But a lot of the technological hurdles that are holding geothermal back are starting to change. There's a lot of innovation in that field. And I don't know if you know this, but deep underneath your feet is a whole lizard civilization that has so much balls of lava, right? <laughs> if we could get our fucking thick-ass pipes right down into the Mother Gaia, dude, we could, like, fucking heat some shit up up here. Wait a second. Is that what Mario is about? Yeah. There's pipes. There's, like, the lava levels. Bowser is down there. Yeah, it's propaganda for geothermal. Holy shit. Just a couple decades ahead of its time. We just blew that wide open. It's investigative journalism here at Petri Dish. Yeah, geothermal is really exciting. Petri Publica. It can do heat stuff, right? It can do kind of, you know, lame stuff, like keep your sidewalks free of ice and snow or whatever. It can do sauna. Yeah, you can do sauna. But also... Unlike solar and wind, it can kind of operate at like a stable load, right? Instead of... Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't say anything. <laughs> Your face went blank as the possibilities just like <laughs> drift I mean, to infinity I, in front of you. You know what? I'll talk through it. Uh, when he said stable load, you know, I did think that was funny. But then I realized that stable load doesn't mean anything, right? Like, what, what, what would that be? I don't know. <laughs> right? It's so, just load. Yeah, load just kind of... Sounds funny, but anyway. Adjective load. Anyway, which, you know, wind and solar can't do. Yeah. And so there's some interesting opportunities that can arise from (laughs) geothermal energy. Yeah. So we should talk about how it works. Okay, cool. Okay, guys. I don't know if you know this, but the core of the Earth is the hottest object in the solar system. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's pretty hot, right? Yeah, the core of the Earth, like, probably maxes out at the same temperature as the surface of the sun. Hey, how do all these queefin nerds even know about that, by the way? Uh, yeah, so some of that has to do with kind of like modeling and stuff. We've definitely never drilled down to anywhere close to the core of the Earth. You mean except in the core? Yeah, the movie The Core. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do vaguely remember that that's a movie. All yeah. the actors died filming that. Oh, but luckily, it's, it's hot down there. Luckily, they shot the disc up oh, Okay. of all the film. The, yeah, the film, yeah. the data and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> Those brave actors. <laughs> yeah, people right. don't say it enough, right? Like we, <laughs> we praise all other kinds of brave people, but, but actors just never get <laughs> Essential workers. <laughs> um, but yes, it is really hot. We mostly know it from modeling and from a lot of kind of our understanding of physics and yeah. kind of formation in the solar system and everything like that. How do you that. even model that? Like, what does that even mean in this context? You have a pretty good idea of the pressures involved, and we have okay. some very good hypotheses and knowledge about what the core is made of. Right. And but, I mean, bro, we won't really know till we're in there, right? So, I mean, if we drilled down, it just turned out to be like a giant Willy Wonka factory? I mean, I'm not saying it's likely, but those guys are orange for a reason. It's hot. Wow. I mean, just hypothetically. Does hot make orange? Yeah. Okay. Donald Trump's so <laughs> handsome. Oh, no. Oh, my God, Donald, your smile is beautiful. Anyone remember that? That is fucked up. Remember that lady at the town hall? No. What? <laughs> There's some lady who said Donald's smile is nice? Let's not talk about him anymore. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you brought him up, you son of a bitch. Okay. The core heat yeah. is probably a leftover from the formation of the Earth. Oh, okay. so, so when the Earth was forming, the solar system was yeah. forming, all that stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. All the That gases. was hot. Okay. That was hot, hot heat. Yeah. And then now we're probably, we still have leftover heat from that. So someday it'll be gone. Yeah, eventually, probably. I oh, think, fuck, we need to get off this barren rock. <laughs> I'm not totally sure, but I think the Earth might get fucked up by the sun expanding over time. Before that Sooner than happens. that happens, yeah. That's good, that'll heat us back up. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, that's not the only source of heat, okay? So, okay. so a little bit of what Residual the Earth Residual juice? Like. Yeah, right. Okay. So, so about 50% of the heat of the Earth is Damn. residual okay. solar system. Yeah, the other 50% is sealed. <laughs> Rose on a crane that keeps the Earth hot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. His uh, hip gyrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, that also... creates the magnetic poles. <laughs> it's like the reason Seal doesn't release a lot of albums right now is he's always at the South Pole for the sake of humanity, like Christ himself. Moving his hips to create the magnetic poles. Wow, did Jesus do that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he had a lot of hip movements? What, you think Jesus died in Palestine, bro? Or Israel? This is non-controversial. Judea. Okay, we're a very non-political pod. Both sides. <laughs> well, you just said all the options. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... The uh, Roman Empire. <laughs> about 50% of the other chunk of heat yeah. is from radioactive decay. Oh, that's cool. So stuff like uranium, potassium, thorium, all of those things, as they break down, they release energy. And that's like half of the heat. That's and really that cool. And that isn't necessarily in the core, right? So you could imagine the way that the Earth is shaped. You have the core at the center, right? Yeah. And then you have all the mantle. That's all like hot, hot lava, yes. right? And then you have this very thin crust at the top. Right. Okay? And you could imagine one possibility is that the core is super hot. The mantle is like medium hot, right. and then the crust is like the least hot. But what we're starting to realize with all this models, right, is that like really there's all sorts of pew, 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 radioactive decay throughout the mantle. Right, and in the crust as well. Oh, shit. So there's this part called the lithosphere. Right. Which is the very top of the mantle and yeah. all of the crust. Pure lithium. <laughs> That's what they used to do to help people with depression. You just throw them in the lithosphere. I think I think litho the rock. Oh. The, the rock sphere. Damn it. But the lithosphere has a lot of radioactivity, and that's probably where a lot of the heat comes from. So that's rather cool. than being core heat, it's actually radioactive decay that's causing it. So 50% radioactive decay, 50% core heat. So that means that humans aren't causing climate change. <laughs> right? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> the climate is all above ground. So we're fucking that up, and then radiation is causing this stuff underground. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the point is, you start digging underground, 
and shit starts getting hotter and hotter. Right. The the TLDD. The uh, I don't. That was I've, close. The the TLDR nailed it. Mm. The tootler is that you you go down, it's hot. Yeah. And in fact, you don't even have to go down that far. Right. To start to get kind of surprisingly hot, hot heat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. What's some of that hot, hot heat places? How do we get some of that hot, hot heat from that sexy, hot earth? Right. So maybe the first human use of geothermal energy, right, is hot springs. Sauna. Yeah. Sweden, Japan, Gingerbang. All All over the place. Yeah. All over the place. China's got it. China? Bath in England. England has them? Yeah. Crazy. Uh, They feel good. Yeah. Tell me more about the science of hot springs, man. It's just water getting hot underground, splooshing on up. Yo, and I made me look like an asshole. Well, no, so the, <laughs> I, I, I put hot springs in here because it's true. Right. But also, I don't have that much to say about it. It's just people figured out, hey, there's these pools of water that are coming out from underground. Right. They're hot. A lot of times in the process of being underground and then kind of coming up, they'll carry with them a lot of minerals and things that some surface water sources don't have. Right. Or even aquifers might not have. Like lithium. Uh, I was going to say, like, <laughs> hydrogen sulfide. Oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, which kind of gives it, uh, sometimes, like, a rotten egg kind of smell. Yeah, sure. Those are the gross ones. Yes, yes. Okay. Some hot springs, probably. So Some of the heated water from underground sources can carry other kinds of shit in there, yeah. including things like uranium or something like that, right. like, like, like radioactive. Right. Things. Do you have any onsen fantasies? Like, you you know, you take care of your grandmother's, like, inn or something. Mm-hmm, and then there's several mm-hmm. women who live there, mm-hmm. various age groups. I yep. mean, you're 17, but they don't mind. Sure. And, you know, one of them who you have the most of a relationship with, your childhood friends, but she's amnesiac, so she doesn't remember. Yeah. You guys go to this onsen, and just, like, she's just on you, right? Yeah. Um, it's really smelly for, like, two straight days. Yep. You know, there's monkeys that come to watch on occasion. The monkeys... Are the ones that I was waiting for you to get to. <laughs> <laughs> they're throwing feces at you while you they're, go at it. They're the ones I form the relationship with. Oh, really? That's for sure. My uh, my onsen fantasy is entirely centered around the monkeys. Ah, okay. So I finally got to your fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's That's a Japanese good. dish called onsen egg. Okay. It's like a very lightly poached egg in a kind of soup. Oh, that's cool. Very tasty. Oh. Anyway, wow. How useless. Okay, yeah. so moving what are you on. About? <laughs> um. Other uses of geothermal energy that doesn't enter the realm of electrical stuff. Right. right? So just using the geothermal energy for the thermal part, for the heating. One of the options is heating and cooling homes. So actually, I didn't quite know this. If you go not that many feet underground. Right. So we're not talking about digging a mile deep or anything. Yeah. We're talking like maybe 10 feet, 20 feet or something like that. Okay. You reach a point where the ground is actually... Pretty much always 50 to 60 degrees. Right. Like, it doesn't matter what the temperature is outside. Right. It's just always that temperature year-round. That's cool. And what that means is that if you build pipes down there, and then you just flow some kind of liquid, like antifreeze or something. Okay. And then have the pipes in, like, the walls of your house, your house will be kind of buffered around 50 to 60 degrees. It won't actually be 50 to 60 degrees, but it'll be hard to get that far away from it. Okay. Which means that in the summertime, it'll actually cool down your house. Right. And in the wintertime, it'll actually heat up your house. Okay, that's cool. And so it's basically all you would need is just the energy to basically keep pumping this antifreeze through the pipes. And then it's a way of almost like air conditioning your house. Right, and it's a lot more energy efficient than other methods of homeostasising your house. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like having a heater and an air conditioner or something like that. Those take up a lot of energy to actually change the temperature. So who does this? How do we know this works? This actually happens in a lot of parts of like the United States even. It's when you're building a house, you yeah. can have them build in a heat pump. That's cool. And it'll just be stuff that they put into the ground and then a pump to be able to circulate that through your home. It's interesting because I had heard of heat pumps and I, I just misinterpreted them. Yeah, it's, it's all that. Yeah. It's, all that it's stuff. probably because of where I saw the ads. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, but, you know, the people have some other kinds of things sort of similar to this. So some cities or even some places that are built nearby hot springs or something like that yeah. will pipe hot water under the floor or something, right? And so that, that'll keep the floors hot during the winter. Right. Or cities can pipe the hot water underneath their sidewalks and roads as a way to melt the snow to keep it from forming ice or anything like that. That's cool. Okay. Science fiction. I like it. <laughs> Very interesting. So, the future is bright. But all of that stuff is like small potatoes. What? Okay. That sounded pretty cool to me. But what I'm actually talking about, what I want the bulk of this episode to be about... Is big potatoes. Is making the electricity for like the grid. Okay, right? cool. Like the full-blown shit. Renewable nice. energy. Yeah. And so why don't we take a break, and then when we come the back... The thing that we could have done with a Democratic Senate. <laughs> Very exciting to hear about. Yeah. It ain't happening no more. Yeah. Well, Georgia. 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 Stacey Abrams. All right. So let's take a break, the, and when we get back... The Christ of our times, am I right? Let's take a break, <laughs> and yeah. then when we come back, we'll talk about the electricity generation. Breaking news today, the founders of Hobby Lobby, in their pursuit of biblical artifacts, have found the mummified corpse of baby Jesus and baby Moses. Rather than donate these remains to the appropriate authorities, they are grinding the bones to make Regeneron, the recently approved medication favored by hypocritical evangelical Christians everywhere. So, Sean, do you think one of the ways we could heat up the Democratic base is by putting pipes all up, Stacey Abrams? Just lend some of that hot, hot heat, get out into the rest of the party? <laughs> I don't know if we can... Consensually. Sit. Oh. Oh, well then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stacey Abrams is a trooper, dude. So long as it's consensual. Okay. If, if, if... if yeah, yeah, let's, let's stop with that. <laughs> okay, so for okay. the most part, yeah. the way that you would generate electricity from geothermal energy is by pushing a turbine. Okay, cool. So you'd have like, you know, it almost looks like a fan or something like that. Right. And I mean, this is true of windmills and fucking also, I mean, wind turbines. Yeah. I mean, like, isn't this like kind of one of the more common ways and historical ways that like energy gets produced is some sort of pressure or some sort of thing just goes beep, 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 and pushes a turbine? Yeah, it's almost the only way. Oh, okay. Like, I think the exceptions are solar and hypothetically some types of fusion that don't exist yet. Right, right, right. I think everything else... Heat something up. Right. Makes like steam or something. Right. And then that pushes a turbine around. Cool. Um, or like pushes a piston maybe and, you know, whatever, cars and shit like that. So but, how do we push this turbine? Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's a few different ways. So a couple of them use steam. Right. Classic. Evaporated water, right? Right. So one of the methods is called dry steam. 
which is a confusing name because right. steam is intrinsically wet, but whatever. Dry steam yeah. is when basically you have steam already coming out of the ground. Right, and you just like put a turbine on it. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So you might end up, you know, installing a pipe or something like that to try to get the steam a little bit better. You might widen the hole or something. But the point is you have steam coming out of the ground. You have that directly push a turbine. Right. And then that generates electricity. Where is there that much steam coming out of the ground? Oh, there's all sorts of geothermal hotspots. Okay. One of them, for example, is in Geysers, California. Yeah. Which is a little bit north of San Francisco, like 25 miles yeah. north of San Francisco. Or Caldera, the imperial town south of the Redoran, right? <laughs> yeah, Morrowind. Yeah, that took cut. a second. But whoa, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Whoa. Um, so geysers is, I think, one of the earliest attempts to make like what you'd call a modern hydrothermal plant. Right. And to this day, generates electricity for Northern California. Right. And is pretty effective at it. Yeah. Yeah. And so in this case, that is, I think, most of the plants in the geysers complex okay. are dry steam plants. Very sexy. In dry steam, some of that steam, as it's pushing the turbine, kind of condenses back into water. Okay. And then when it does that, you can take that water and you can kind of inject it back underground. Because right? like, like the idea is you have a reservoir underground of kind of porous rock. Right. And the porous rock is getting very hot. Water kind of seeps in. The water gets super hot. And then that water kind of tries to get out. Right. And if you have, you know, a pipe or something going down there, the water will kind of escape up and maybe turn into steam along the way. That's cool. Um, I like a perpetual motion machine. Well... No. Not quite. <laughs> but but basically, you can build another pipe going down, right. and you can just put more water back in, because eventually you can deplete the water right. in the reservoir, yeah. which is actually something that was happening in the geysers complex up in Northern California. Oh, interesting. They started to kind of lose pressure, so to speak. Right. And so what they started doing was injecting water back underground I to like kind of it. replenish it. I love California, dude. <laughs> just rape and pillage every other state. Take the water from anything. <laughs> God, what a terrible place. Well, so one of the things, though, is that with a lot of these dry steam plants, not all of the steam turns back into water right away. And right. so sometimes you just kind of like let some of that steam go. Okay. Right. So you just kind of like release it out the top of your plant or whatever. Right. And the steam can sometimes come with other stuff. Okay. okay. It's usually not just water. Sometimes right. it's carbon dioxide. A little uranium in there. Sure. Maybe a little something. Ooh. Maybe a little something something. Oh, okay. And sometimes hydrogen sulfide, it can make it a little rotten eggy smelling or something like that. Cool. But that's just the way that dry steam works. And realistically, the carbon dioxide that gets released from that process is way less than the carbon dioxide produced by, like, coal or right. gas or something like okay. that, right? So, it's, it's, so like, it's not, like, perfect per se, but it's still a lot better than a lot of the things we're doing right now. Right. Except fracking, which is an awesome American job. Jesus. Just kidding. Okay. I just like the word frack. <laughs> I know. It's funny because I like the word frack in the context of the earth. Way more than frack as I originally know it, which is from Balsar Galactica. Where everyone is like, man, that's total bullshit. That's fracking bullshit. Oh, yeah, like, right. It was like a curse word. Yeah, it was, like, Geez, it was the guys. only curse word they replaced. Like every other idiom, every all the vernacular of American English, they preserved except fuck. And it was just like, what are we even doing anymore, guys? I thought they spoke some Chinese or something, didn't they? Oh, that's true. I There's like they had a little some, like, bit Chinese, Chinese curse word. Anyway, and I bet you, I bet you there's actually one fake Chinese curse word they invented for that show. <laughs> and there's some Chinese dude in China being yeah, like, "What some, the fuck is that?" Some, some jaded little schmuck like me. <laughs> okay, 
So there is another kind of steam that you can use, though, Ooh. Uh, to generate geothermal power. Flash! <laughs> right, flash yeah. steam. Cool. Okay, so in this case, sometimes the water that's trapped deep underground is hotter than boiling temperature. Right. Okay, but it's pressurized. And when you increase the pressure on something, you change it so that it needs more energy to actually turn into gas. Isn't there like an expression for that state? It's like superheated or like super eight. Yeah. Superman. So that is something a little bit later. Oh, okay. In that. F- fuck me. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what I'm describing where pressurized stuff kind of takes more heat before it vaporizes into steam right. is the principle that, behind like pressure cookers. Dude, for I was about to say that. Yeah. You know what you could do with pressure cookers? Tell me. It's a bomb. Thank you. Wow, great. <laughs> Do you have a record recipe for our for our customers? We're we're lucky that there's no presidential administration and federal government right now. Otherwise, they'd be like cracking down on us. <laughs> yeah, we're not quite high up in the food chain of election security <laughs> to, to get targeted right now. Okay, so moving on from the bomb talk. <laughs> um, so so the idea is you have this hot water, hot enough that it would turn into steam. Yeah. Except it's under pressure. Right. Okay. And what you do is you build a pipe down to it, you bring it up to the surface. That's cool. And then you depressurize it. You basically give it enough space at a lower pressure, and a lot of it will flash into steam. Cool. So it'll go from being liquid water into steam really fast. Okay, And that kind of burst of steam is what you use to push your turbine. So if we could get up into there, we could, like, be a lot more energy efficient. Yeah, it, it is more energy efficient than dry steam. And also, you kind yeah. of control how much is flashing. Right. And so that means that you have a little bit more control. You don't usually vent any of it. Yeah. Okay, so the dry steam one, one of the things we said was that sometimes you let the steam out, sometimes some CO2 gets out. With the flash system, it's a little bit easier to keep it all closed. Okay. And then you can kind of let that water condense again. You can pump it back underground. And we're doing this a lot these days. Yes. At least amongst the geothermal that does exist. Right, right. So, like, the newer geothermal plants, a majority of the plants that are out there now are flash steam oh! plants. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so one thing I will say, though, is that you are pumping stuff back underground, right? Like, the water that you're pumping and everything. That pumping requires energy. So, that usually cuts into how much energy you produce. So, like, there's, like, the theoretical amount of energy you can get by bringing up hot water and pushing a turbine. But then we don't ever get to use all of that energy because some of it gets immediately reinvested into pumping stuff back underground. Right. So that kind of cuts into it some. Both of these processes, both of the steam ones, flash and dry, you need temperatures that are high enough to kind of push the turbine enough so that it's, like, actually worth it, right? Right. Because since the pump takes up some amount of energy that's kind of like your overhead right right so you need to generate like a good amount of energy and for that that means that you want water that's like 400 degrees fahrenheit damn or higher damn okay but you can get at that like one and a half to two miles underground so if you just drill down to that point then you can get at it which is like a little easier said than done but we're getting better and better at it right yeah i mean we can do that yeah we can do it yeah okay so contextually for some oil exploration, right. 
we've drilled down like seven miles. Dude, that's sick house. So, you know. Yeah. So we can drill straight down. Drilling down is actually easier than what's called lateral drilling, right, which is kind of the innovation for fracking. Right, right, right. Yeah. For that one, you got to like rope down some people into the abyss and they have to like kink, 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 <laughs> pickaxe it. <laughs> it's like mining uh, ebony in Elder Scrolls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> kink, kink, kink. You have two ingots. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. um, I always felt bad going to like these little orc strongholds in Skyrim and taking all their ebony. Mm-hmm. And I look around and I'm like, is anyone mind? And there's kink, kink. What do you want, Outlander? <laughs> I'm just like got like 40 pounds of ebony on my back. And I'm like, are you going to say something, bro? Yeah, I guess they weren't using it. Yeah. yeah. He's like, are you Dovakin, <laughs> Outlander? <laughs> Great. Skyrim jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Topical. It's not really jokes. It's just descriptive. <laughs> I was, you know, I was thinking about the way I talk and my quote unquote humor, and I kind of realized I don't construct jokes in like, which is probably the reason why I'm unsuccessful. Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. I'm more to say silly things than a giggle. Let's keep trucking. <laughs> You're doing it again. Let's keep, let's, <laughs> let's keep talking to you, Thermal, before I cry. Okay. Yeah. So there is another option that is not a steam option. Okay. It is called binary geothermal. Nice. Okay. What makes it binary? Right. So a lot of the hot stuff underground isn't that easily accessible. Right. Like presumably if you get real deep, get real lateral, you would have heat anywhere on the planet. But like right now, because it's really hard to drill down and drill to the side, we kind of mostly just have to do geothermal in specific areas where the earth already has acne problems. Right. Yeah. We're already looking for spots where... You kind of have some of the hotter underground parts pushed up, you know, volcanic spots, geysers, things right. like that. And what would be nicer is if you could just kind of plop a plant down anywhere. Currently, if you do that and drill down to the depths that's easy for us to get to, it's not as hot as 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Okay. It's cooler. It's, you know, more like 300 degrees Fahrenheit or something, which is not good enough for flash and dry to right. really be economical. Right. But there is another option. The other option is the thing that pushes the turbine is a gas made out of something that evaporates easier than water. Isobutane. Right. So isobutane is one option, but you could use some other solvent that just evaporates at a lower temperature. Right. And so water evaporates at like 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Isobutane turns into a gas at like 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Okay. It, okay. It, like, it like loves being a gas. It has to be cold to be a liquid. So you drill your sexy fucking hole. You throw in the tank of isobutane. The water outside the tank heats it up. Bada bing, baby. That makes the steam. We're fucking making some steam, bro. Right. So you drill the hole and you let water underground still come up and bring that thermal energy up. Okay. Okay. But then okay. it comes up and it like kind of surrounds a tank filled with isobutane. Okay. That's cool. And then the isobutane turns into a gas really easily. Right. And that high-energy isobutane gas pushes the turbine and then cools down, because even room temperature, basically you need to make it kind of cold. Okay. It'll cool down, it'll turn into a liquid, and then it'll go back into the tank. Okay. And basically it's just a closed loop. Okay. So the isobutane doesn't even need to go underground. It just stays up at the surface. Oh, that's really cool. The water goes underground, comes up, Heats up the isobutane, goes back underground. It never even turns into steam. It just stays water the whole time. Do you think one of the bros just like, whenever they just need something hot, they just like kind of get a mug and just 
get a little of that water. <laughs> you know, it's like I'd probably just slap a steak onto the onto the metal. Yeah, just put like one of those little Korean like little grill things yeah, right dude. on top of it. That sounds good. Oh. <laughs> but so the idea is that this setup is totally closed loop. The water stays in its pipes, goes underground, goes comes up and everything like that. That's cool. The isobutane hits the turbine and then it comes back to the tank and it, it's closed loop there. So you're not releasing any kind of gases anywhere. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so these kinds of binary setups are pretty solidly within reach and don't require as high a temperature. I mean, what's their yield vis-a-vis -vis like a flash in a really good geothermal spot? I think that in general, people consider binary to be like the next step up anyway. Oh, okay. That's so, cool. so at a lower temperature, their yield probably is maybe about as good or something, right? Yeah. But if you put a binary at that higher temperature right. spot, if you replaced the flash with a binary, I think the binary would outcompete it. It would be better. Fuck, dude. You know, the big problem, though, is that isobutane's a bastard gas. <laughs> I don't know if you want isobutane. <laughs> okay. I use good old-fashioned H2O. Well, geothermal. So on the topic of gas, though, yeah, I think that one of the potential issues with renewable energy is that all of the renewable sources are really meant to deal with the grid, with right. electrification, right? right? And not really gasoline, right? which is supposed to be replaced whenever it can be with like electric cars or shit like that. Right. But assuming you need some kind of fuel source that you can actually like carry around. Right and not be connected to the grid, one potential option that people have been thinking about is hydrogen. Right. right? But aren't those scary? That they, like, blow up or something? So like my understanding Zeppelin? is that they have ways of kind of packaging hydrogen now. Right. Is they, like, a satanic cult of pedophiles, or is it, like, <laughs> the CIA, or is it... <laughs> I think the, the current generation of, like... Like hydrogen and Energy like nerds. Oh, okay. Are able to make it so it's not like any more dangerous than gasoline in a gas tank. <laughs> sure, yeah. actually, also dangerous. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Cars suck. Yeah, but in this case, hydrogen gas when it combusts, when it combines with oxygen, yeah, just makes water. Hey, Sean. So let's imagine the nanny state wants to take your car, so you get rid of all the cars and you give everybody self-driving cars, or like everyone has a super Uber Lyft sort of situation. You can just get a self-driving car, go to where you need to go. Yeah. Would you want that? Or do you like having a car? I would be fine with it. Yeah. But I know there's a good chunk of people who would be adamantly against it. Yeah, like revolution. <laughs> yeah. Would you... What about like camping and stuff like that? Do you think there's like car rentals in that future? Like you like go and you rent a car and maybe there's gasoline for that, but that's so much less of regular car usages in cities that it still has a big dent on, you know, the climate. I mean, there's got to be ways to get to any particular spot, okay. right? So, I mean, I don't know if it's renting cars or it's like an Uber thing, but it's a longer distance Uber right. thing. And I don't right. know if they're all electric cars or something like that or what the deal is. And do you think like really well optimized self-driving cars could finally enable flying cars? That'd be fun. Whoa. I don't know if the energetic cost of staying alive. Flying cars seem like stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if they're worth it. Okay. Uh, even things like helicopters are like... Sean, you've, Kobe. De you've derailed us so much, Sean. You son of a bitch. <laughs> but, uh, I do mean, we need to take a break, or do we want to talk about hydrogen? I wasn't even done talking about hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> we got halfway into You're hydrogen. You're done! <laughs> <laughs> you derailed me. Okay. Let me... So, so hydrogen. Fuck! What were we hydrogen saying? Hydrogen fuck. <laughs> hydrogen gas. You can use it for things like cars. Yeah, That's okay, cool. cool, cool when cool. it burns, when it combusts, 
it just turns into water. Okay. That's okay. Cool. So it doesn't release carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, shit like that, unlike okay. gasoline. Okay. How do we make hydrogen gas? Right now, almost all hydrogen gas that we make is actually made from natural gas, uh, oh. from methane. If you take methane and you heat it up really high along with like really, really hot water, like 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit hot. Wow. Then that will go through a reaction and turn into hydrogen gas. How much, how much energy are you spending to get the water that hot? Oh, a lot, a lot. It's not a good more. This is not an energy efficient thing to do. It's just a way to get hydrogen gas if you need it for other stuff. Ah, uh, okay, that's and, cool. And so this process makes a lot of hydrogen gas, but it also makes carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide. So that's not great. And the high temperatures here, thirteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Way hotter than what we're talking about for geothermal. Okay. Now, that temperature exists in the Earth somewhere, but we do not get to that temperature. Right. right? Like, we're not drilling anywhere close to that. Right. That is too hot. So that's not the way that we would be able to make hydrogen gas from geothermal. Right. What we would probably do is electrolysis, okay, which you can okay. do at room temperature. And that's basically using electricity to split water back into oxygen and hydrogen gases. Mm. And the thing is, you can do that with any electrical source. So, like... Wind power, solar power, any of those things could be hooked up to generate hydrogen gas. That's cool. Okay. And it just takes some electrical input. So there's going to be an electrical cost to that, right? But one of the things is that geothermal has hot water coming out of the ground, mm. right? And electrolysis for hydrogen is actually more efficient, just in general, the higher temperature you get. Okay. So geothermal out of the renewable energies like solar and wind might actually be extra efficient. Oh, shit. At generating hydrogen gas. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. And so maybe that's going to be a potential option, right? Maybe geothermal will be hooked up to the grid. And when we're using a lot of power, right, maybe it'll just be supplying the grid with electricity. But maybe during downtime when like, oh, everyone's sleeping. Right. Right. Maybe it'll switch over to hydrogen gas production. Right. And then you can build up that and then you can, you know move that around the country so that people can use it for their energy needs for their hydrogen cars or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's what's kind of exciting about geothermal energy. I, I don't want to make us sound like, you know, neoliberal shills. But <laughs> unlike, you know, like maybe this is one of the things that we don't have to have a giant class and race war spilling into genocide to change the future. You know, maybe <laughs> we can actually have that sweet positive sum outcome where it's just like we innovate some stuff and uh, we just kind of figure out a better way to make energy. Yeah, so it, it is interesting I think that our renewable energy future, so to speak, yeah. is going to have pretty much any potential source available, right? right? Like where there is hydroelectric possible, we'll do hydroelectric, right? right. Where wind is possible, we'll probably be doing wind. Right. Um, solar seems great. Yeah. But at the same time, solar is only a daytime thing. Right. Right. And it's so, kind of like how energy sources used to be in the past. It's like, look, if you're near Thrace, you use Thracian slaves. If you're in <laughs> no. you use Slaves. Holy shit! If you have <laughs> colonies, use slaves, right? Like you have to have local solutions. I am staggered. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because that was that flowed really well, but I don't think we could keep it. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but the point is, a lot of these other renewable sources, right, have built within them the idea that we're going to have like really good batteries in the future or right. something. Geothermal is just pretty much always on. Yes. E even even the current generation of geothermal plants that are running have an uptime of 75 to 90%. So that means almost all the time they're supplying electricity. Very cool. And, you know, if we could just figure out how to put them in more places, 
then we could be using them to kind of fill in the gaps that other renewable energy might not be able to do. You, you know what I think is, I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing myself, and you know what, what I think excites me about geothermal over solar and wind, besides the phallic quality of it? Sure, tell me. It's that, I just think solar and wind, it's kind of like how people, like more people are getting COVID now in America than ever before, but it's like, COVID, you know, we've heard about COVID, 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 you know, we've heard about it a lot, so people sure. are just like, I'm just going to go and die. Sure. Um, it's kind of like solar and wind, it's like, yeah, I heard about solar and wind, you know, like, whatever. Even though solar and wind also are kind of, I think, are ramping in kind of similar ways, right? Like batteries are getting more and more efficient. Turbines are getting more and more efficient. They're kind of the same story as geothermal. But geothermal is just like, feels like the future. Where solar and wind are like, so last year. <laughs> See, that's funny because like the first time somebody took a turbine and stuck it over like a geyser or yeah. something like that was in Italy in like 1908. So, like, yeah. geothermal is, like, very... I like old. to think it has the same appeal as Bernie Sanders. It's like old school becomes new again. That's beautiful. You know, maybe our future is our past. Let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we come back, let's talk about how you actually get at those hot spots underground. Okay, cool. The following is an actual advertisement. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Okay, Sean, so help me predict. What's the outcome of the 2026 election? That's a midterm? Do you think it's <laughs> coconuts or the Chiquita banana? <laughs> coconuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Coconuts? I'm a. I'm in the cult of personality of Jimmy Coconuts, so yeah. I have to say coconuts. It is scary. And I like when you said all that QAnon-y kind of coconut stuff. Yeah. You're kind of lit underneath. So like oh, yeah. your face is in sharp megalomaniac relief right now. Of course. Very sexy. It's as I insist. Yeah. Okay, guys. So we're back in. We're starting to get to the really sexy, crazy, the cutting edge of geothermal. Yeah, so as we had mentioned way earlier in the episode, if you just go, you know, a handful of feet down, then you can get to a nice temperature that can regulate your house and stuff like that, right? So imagine so a fistful of feet down, right? <laughs> Two fistfuls of feet down. I'm talking a mile down. <laughs> right, yeah. So you start to go a mile or so underground, and then you're getting to temperatures that are pretty hot for getting some hot water pipes to do things like melting snow on sidewalks. And everything, Very cool. Right? So like that's a mile deep. But I don't want to just melt sidewalks, Sean. I want to melt the Alps. Right. I want revenge on Europe. Sure. So if we're doing geothermal plants yeah. to fund your death laser that you'd use to hold Europe hostage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luxembourg! <laughs> For that, our current wells are going like between 1 to 2.5 miles deep. Awesome. Okay. For you guys who don't know, that's like a lot of feet. It's like a lot. Like it's like five. It's like ten thousand feet or something. Oh gee, I don't know yeah. about that. That's like two Boston marathons. Well, anyway. not cut short by a terrorist attack. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> marathons are like twenty-six miles or something, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't run a lot of marathons. It is a small fraction of a Boston marathon. <laughs> oh, no, dude. Oh, no. 
This was like <laughs> 2.5 miles deep is like a warm up day in cross country. <laughs> like cross country high school meets. What was always embarrassing about, we called it run day at middle school, was that Al would, being a very aggrieved, resentful little nerd, would run my heart out. And I would still, at best, have the same number of laps as like an athletic girl, just like, just walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of kinds of people out there, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we frack for gas, yeah, <laughs> typically that's like one to two miles down. So, there are some really deep oil wells that we've dug. And those go like six to seven miles down. Cool. Okay. And I think the Russians have a borehole that they got to like 10 miles down. Mm, dude, Alpha Centauri, I would just fucking built so many boreholes. I know. And then I would like start this methane greenhouse like yeah, fucking climate change. Yeah, I would just destroy the planet. It's beautiful. And it's then when the planet got mad at me, I put it down too. Yeah. <laughs> and I killed it. Yeah, you were sick. I remember. <laughs> um so we can go very very deep when we drill straight. Very down. cool. Okay. Now, if you want to go down deep enough to the point where you have like a lot of heat and a lot of pressure. Yeah. You'll eventually get to a point where water gets sort of weird. This is what you were talking about earlier in the episode. Yes. At enough heat and pressure, water becomes super critical. Is cool, what it's cool. And it's essentially, I would say, either an intermediate or different state of matter. Okay? Because it's up until that point, you can have a lot of pressure, you can have high temperatures, and water will stay liquid. Yeah. Okay. But once it hits super critical, it's not really like a liquid anymore. Yeah. But it's not like a gas either. Okay, that's cool. It doesn't have the same amount of hydrogen bonding that it would as a liquid, okay. but it doesn't move around as freely as a gas would. Ooh. And it really changes its um, sort of things like capacity for enthalpy change and stuff. That's like pretty that. sexy. It's like a time crystal because it's a different state of matter. Yeah, okay. So this supercritical water is actually really great at carrying that heat energy and transferring it. Sexy. So it would be pretty awesome if... We could use that to work in, like, the binary plant, for example, or right. something. Now, the main question is, how do we reliably drill down deep enough to tap into the supercritical water? Because if we could do that, then we'd be, we'd be making a lot of geothermal energy. It'd become a very, very cost-effective process. That's cool. Uh, there are a lot of challenges besides drilling all the way down deep enough because we've actually drilled wells already where we think we've encountered supercritical water. Okay, that's cool. Okay, so in some of the deeper wells, even in the geysers plants that yeah. I talked about in Northern California, there are some wells that they've dug down where the pressure and the temperature is high enough that there should be supercritical water there. Okay, okay. okay? But... The issue is that, one thing I mentioned earlier, is that when you have these geothermal plants, what you want is kind of a reservoir underground of porous rock right. that the water gets into and heats up and then comes out, right? Okay. And the porous part is important because right. that increases the surface area, so the water gets hot fast. So we don't want any just rando bullshit rock. Right. We right. need, like, spongy shit. Right. Okay. Right. And at that pressure and temperature, where there would be supercritical water... It is kind of an open question, is it possible for rock to be porous? Right. Because porousness, it's like cracks and holes and stuff like that. Right. Those might get filled in or crushed, closed right. or something at right. that pressure. So we're kind of hoping that this rock exists. Right. I yeah. At least in this place. Right. And so right now, some studies say, oh, you know, there, there's different variables at play here that make it so that like, 
We found supercritical water, but we're not sure you could call this a geothermal well. So this right. might just be some bullshit. Well, maybe. Or it might be the kind of thing where we have to do stuff right. to make it so that the holes and cracks, these little pores, can stay open. That's cool. Maybe that's something we have to do. Oh, I don't have the background. We're doing a lot of things, we, collectively, humanity, are doing a lot of things. I don't, I'm, I don't associate. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things that we've learned from fracking that might be applicable to these processes. Fracking itself is about creating porous rock. Oh, okay. So this might be a little bit easier than we're letting on. Well, it might just be technology that we've been kind of figuring out. Right. It's just now we need to apply it to a different location. Fracking almost never gets as hot right. as these temperatures we're talking about. So that's a big adaptation that we need to do is like, right. let's take the lessons we learned from fracking, but we need to adapt them to high temperatures. Yeah. Does this still work? So there's things to figure out, but there's lessons we might have learned. See, this is why I've always appreciated the Bernstein model of like social democracy instead of um, scientific socialism, okay. right? Okay. Is like, so you let the capitalists exploit like fucking Pennsylvania and Oklahoma, just frack the fuck out of it. And then that creates the idea space and the technological space to appropriate it for a more egalitarian use. You know, like... What happens to the capitalists after that? You kill them. <laughs> throw them in the hole. No, I mean, they're just... I mean, they're probably still rich, but, you know, like, I don't know. I guess they go make Fox News and destroy the model I'm talking about. What happens to the slaglands of Oklahoma and Pennsylvania? Well, luckily no one wants it anyway. Hey. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, you know, look, man, look, you know, you and me, we talk a lot of shit about fracking, but rural Oklahoma was never paradise anyway. Right? right? Like, what are we fracking here? <laughs> oh, the, right. the first circle of hell? Like, come on. <laughs> That's okay. not true. I actually really like rural Oklahoma. Related a yeah. little bit to all of this talk about. So, right? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Is something kind of on the horizon for geothermal power, which is called enhanced geothermal systems. Yeah. It's an industry term. You can kind of tell. It's got that kind of the sheen. Yeah, of that industry. kind of like, like when Steve Martin's bullshit company in 30 Rock, and yeah. it's just like synergy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so EGS is what this is called. And the idea is that in a lot of locations, you do not have the reservoir underground of the porous rock. Right. Okay, that's like that's something that's a little bit special, and a lot of times it's something you see when you also have geysers and stuff like that. Right. So if you do want to build a geothermal plant out in the middle of a place where there's no geysers anywhere, what if instead you can make the porous rock mm. through something kind of like fracking? Okay. That is basically what enhanced geothermal systems is. Is it's like, okay... We're going to make the porous rock where we want it, and then that way we can just build a plant right where we made the porous That's rock, cool. and then we can make it at the depth we want, hypothetically, and then pick the temperature that we want to come out of it. And so the main question is just about adapting fracking technology. So is this going to like accidentally cause a bunch of earthquakes or something? <laughs> so that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, because... You mentioned you read a Vox article in, I think, a version of the intro that we have not chosen. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, but you read a Vox article about geothermal power, and that kind of got you interested, and you wanted to talk about it. Yeah. In that Vox article, the writer mentions that they think that it's overblown, the threat of seismic activity from this kind of thing. Right. At the same time, my understanding is that a kind of recent trial on doing this in Switzerland ended because there was like nonstop magnitude three earthquakes 
in Switzerland. And wasn't that around the same magnitude as the ones in Oklahoma? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but the, uh, in Switzerland, they didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. In Switzerland, there's actually a relationship <laughs> right. between government, people, and companies. So they shut down the trial. Oh, wow. Bummer. For, I think, this. I think in Oklahoma, it was fracking. Right. Here, it was for the enhanced geothermal systems in Switzerland. Now, my understanding is they shut down that trial. You know what I like about the implications here? is that we can keep on with our kind of imperialist capitalism because we'll ban it in wealthy areas, but then force it down the throat of third world nations that'll have this constant state of small earthquakes. Wow, what a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I love money. Money. <laughs> uh, so another option very similarly named, I think on purpose, is called Advanced Geothermal Systems. Okay, cool. Okay, so instead of EGS, it's AGS. And in this, rather than have porous rock, any of that kind of stuff underground anyway, you just say like, fuck it. I don't even care about there being water underground, okay? All I want to do is I want to build a pipe that goes deep enough underground. It's just hot. That that pipe gets hot. And so... That sounds pretty good to me. Baby. You'll just make a U-shaped pipe... Cold water goes in one end, right. it goes underground, gets hot, and then comes up on the other side and does its work it's hot. in a geothermal yeah. plant. But now we're getting to the problem we were kind of referred to earlier, which is lateral drilling. Right. Right. And you need it to be a pretty long and sometimes a lot of parallel laterally drilled pipes, right. basically. And you want this to be like around 300 degrees Fahrenheit or so. Which you can get to at like about a mile and a half down. Right, it's not that hard. We actually already in do the it. world. Yes, yeah, so right. It's not the down part that's hard. It's the side. It's the sideways part. Right. At that temperature. Because fracking still, you can make those lateral pipes for fracking, but it's not that hot. Right. It's not at 300 degrees Fahrenheit. So being able to have that be set up and have reliable pipes set up like that, that is an unsolved problem. But there are companies that are working on it actively. That's like, that's their sales pitch. Right. So... They're either going to figure it out or they're going to go bust. Right? Like <laughs> their entire business model is built around the idea of being able to do this. Dude. So we'll see. Cool. Okay. So, I mean, we kind of referred to this earlier, but like, are there any environmental impacts to what seems to me to be like miracle radium water? Like, I love it. <laughs> but, yeah. but maybe is there an issue? So I, I think there's only really two issues. And they're both, in my opinion, pretty minor. Okay. okay. So the first one is the parasitic pump issue. Right. Which is actually related to the second issue, which is letting out too much gas. Okay. So in order to avoid letting out too much gas, like carbon dioxide, which is a greenhouse gas, right? Right. We pump a lot of the stuff back underground. But that pumping process requires energy. And sort of depending on how your geothermal plant is set up and how it's connected to the grid, the pump might be pulling energy from a grid that uses some dirty energy source. Right. Like coal or gas right. or something. So in that case, your pump is kind of creating greenhouse gases from the energy it uses. Very sexy. Related to your geothermal plant, right? So you could kind of say like, oh, the geothermal plant itself is totally green, but it uses this fucking pump and the pump is not green. So there's ways to kind of get around that. There's some science. I linked an article on how you can reduce the amount of energy the pump takes to pump stuff underground. Okay. Has a lot to do with the pressure that you're trying to get it to to get it underground. A little bit about the temperature that it's coming to the pump at. And then whether or not you remove any of the water from it. So the water that comes out from underground yes. is not pure water. Okay. You would not be able to drink it. 
It's got way too much stuff. Like all the weird in crap it. in there. And like zinc and sulfur and all this shit. Okay. okay. Um, you want to buy those supplements at Costco to be safe. <laughs> There's actually some geothermal plants don't pump the stuff back underground. Yeah. And instead what they do is they basically put it into a reservoir and some of the water evaporates and they get like this kind of sludge left over. Gross. Um, but some people are trying to extract the minerals from that sludge. Okay. Because like zinc is something that actually gets used a lot in a lot of alloys and things that we right. need. And so some people are kind of buying the sludge to, like, extract the minerals from it. So, okay. Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. One other option is you can basically do a reverse osmosis process. Right. And separate pure water from this briny sludge. Right. And then pump the sludge back underground. And then the pure water is pure water to use for whatever yeah. you want. You could sell that for probably 10 bucks a bottle. Yeah. You just say it's from Sweden or something. Or like from the depths. Yeah. Hell water. Plenty of schmucks I know would buy that. It's beautiful. Anyway, so so there's ways to kind of get around that. And like I said, the gas leak thing, even in terms of the amount of gas that's released now from these plants, it is a small percentage of what we get out of things like coal or gas or right. something, right? It's more than solar makes because solar doesn't make any kind of gas, right? But it is way, way less than what we are using for most of our energy purposes Right. And so it would still be worth it to replace it even if we didn't deal with the gas problem. But things like the binary plants are closed loop. Right. There's no steam to release. There's no carbon dioxide you're releasing. It's all closed. Very sexy. So I think both of these problems are things that are kind of, they're getting fixed, at least somewhat. Damn. You know, I hope this kind of episode gives hope to people. You know, obviously the day-in-day minutiae and vicissitudes of politics can dishearten some people who actually pay attention to it at all. <laughs> people who don't are like God's, God's kissed children, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, like, it's easy to forget then all the innovation that is happening and energy advances can help alleviate some of the more fundamental problems our society faces. You guys got to remember that prior to the socialist utopia, you must first have capitalism, which itself emerges out of feudalism, all that thanks to a kind of technological dialecticism, right? So, comrades, uh, you know, don't don't be so sad about, like, whatever. I don't know. That, like, the transition team for Biden is not, like, more progressive or something. I don't know. Uh, calm down, guys. Well, I like the ending. <laughs> that was good. Got a, a little... A little confused in the middle part, but, I, I, <laughs> but nonetheless, I liked it. Yeah, so um, so let's thank Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer, mm-hmm. and Brian Allen for the artwork. Thank you. Oh, okay. Keep going. Let's thank Nathan because he's looking at me expectantly. Well, I want to thank Sean. <laughs> oh. All right. Why? You're what handsome. Oh, okay. Whenever I'm feeling down, you're my bridge over troubled waters. I will lay you down. Okay. Well, thank you, <laughs> listeners. Uh, you can reach us at Dish Podcast on Twitter, PetriDishPod at gmail.com, Patreon.com slash PetriDish if you want to give us some kind of dollars. And we will see you next time. Da da da